Welcome back to the All Football Podcast. I'm Josh McSwain, here with my co-host AJ Torres. Today, we're going to be talking about some juicy subjects for you. First of all, the CFL is back on Thursday night, folks. There should be some applause there, but unfortunately, that sound effect has not gone in yet. But it's going to be a good time. Anyways... We'll have a rematch of the last CFL game that was played. The 2019 Grey Cup final between Hamilton and Winnipeg kicks off the season. And then we'll be talking about the U.S. men's soccer team winning the Gold Cup over Mexico in a thrilling match. And then we get into some NFL headlines with Carson Wentz being sidelined anywhere from 5 to 12 weeks. Aaron Rodgers showing that he really owns the Packers. Yeah. Because he can say anything he wants, and they will still employ him. All you shareholders, bow to your king. That just sounds like an epic intro. Well done. Thank you. I try. But anyways, let's... Start out north of the border with Canada. So, I know we've talked a lot about the Canadian Football League being on TV. And actually, you can see games on ESPN2 or ESPN Plus in the States. I really happen to be on ESPN+. That's huge. That's huge. Well, I wonder... I mean, we've said before that there are games on ESPN2 part of the time. Previous summers, it had been somewhat sporadic, and I don't... For this first weekend, I can't quite tell if the ESPN Plus page is just listing what you'd see on ESPN2, or if they would have games on ESPN Plus that aren't on main ESPN networks. But case in point here is... They got it on ESPN, so you have no excuse not to watch it. Now let's get into how this season is going to go, or, well, how I think it's going to go. I could be roasted in a few months for what I say on this show, but I'll give it my best shot. So you look at the Western Conference. you got Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, BC, and Saskatchewan, and truly... I think any team could win this division and any team could finish last. Back in 2019, Calgary Stampeders were the defending Grey Cup champions, but Bo Levi Mitchell got hurt, missed some games, but they had Nick Arbuckle come in and fill in fairly admirably when he was gone. They don't have that safety net now because Arbuckle is on the Toronto Argonauts, so... Bo Levi Mitchell is getting up there in age for quarterbacks. But still, you look at the core of the stamps, I think it's really solid. They are my pick to finish first in the Western Division at 9-5. and five. I think this Western Division is going to be very compressed, as you will see with the rest of my record predictions. Next up, I got the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the reigning champs at 8-6. and six. Their starting quarterback is known for having injury issues. That is Zach Kalaros. They also have Andrew Harris out for the first few weeks of the season. Their 
stud running back. He's trying to rush for a thousand yards at age 34. He's trying to become the fourth running back to rush for a thousand yards at age 34. The others are legendary Saskatchewan Rough Rider George Reed, legendary Mike Pringle of the Montreal Alouettes, and Washington Redskins tailback John Riggins, who actually did it twice. But yes, Harris has definitely had a decorated career, and I just I can't count out the Blue Bombers just with what they've done. Next up, I have my Elks at 7-7. Seven and seven. They are a hard team to figure out, I'll admit, because they have a new head coach who's not been on the job very long, but he inherits a pretty talented roster, does Jamie Elizondo. Got Trevor Harris, pretty solid quarterback, even though he's in his mid-30s. And the rest of the core of that offense is kind of getting up there in age. you got James Wilder, who came over from the Argos at running back, who's on the high side of 30. You've got Greg Ellingson and Darrell Walker as their lead receivers, who are also 30 and up. They lost Almondo Sewell, their stud defensive tackle in free agency, who went to Montreal. Ouch. So I think they're going to be able to put up points, but... Are they going to be able to stop anyone? That's going to be the key. Now for my somewhat bold prediction here, I think the BC Lions, who most people have them stuck in the cellar in this division, I think they get into the fourth spot and they make the crossover spot in the playoffs at 7-7. Seven and seven. You got Rick Campbell, new head coach, came over from Ottawa over the break. And he went to multiple Grey Cups with the Red Blacks. And so I think he could really turn things around, particularly when you got a former MOP and Mike Riley as your quarterback. If the offensive line is just a little bit better for the BC Lions, I think they're a playoff team. I really do. And then the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I have them in the bottom at 6-8. and eight. I could be very wrong on this. It just depends on... How well Cody Fajardo does in his sophomore season as this Rough Riders starter. But they lost quite a bit in free agency or to opt-outs, namely guys on defense like Charleston Hughes, who went to Toronto with most of the CFL free agents, honestly. It is going to be very interesting to see who comes out of this group of five. But going over to the East, I think there's no question who is the best in the Eastern Conference, and that would be the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I have them at 10 and 4. They got a really good starting quarterback in Jeremiah Masoli. They got the reigning most outstanding player, Brandon Banks at receiver. And even in case something happens to Masoli, they have Dane Evans, a very good backup, who could be starting for some teams, probably. And a very good defense to boot. So between all that, they're easily the favorite in the East. And the other three teams, Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa, I could see anything for those three. But just looking at their additions in free agency and their quarterback situation, I'm going to go with the Argos at 6-8 and eight to be second in this division. Can't complain. I just got a feeling. 
I think either you're going to see a good year out of McLeod Bethel Thompson, who comes back at quarterback, or Arbuckle takes over and he shows them that he's a young, rising star in this league. Ryan Dinwiddie is their new coach, and we'll have to see what he can do. But I think that he also might make them a little more unpredictable, just not having tape on them on what he might do. But I also think there is hope for both Montreal and Ottawa to potentially steal that second spot in the East. I have both teams at five and nine, but Montreal has hope because they, like I mentioned, they picked up Armando Sewell along the defensive line in free agency. Vernon Adams was really good in 2019. They got some talent there, and then Ottawa, they have some hope because Paul LaPolice, former Winnipeg OC, takes over as their head coach, and they're going to have Matt Nichols as their starting quarterback, former Winnipeg starter. He's been there, and he's done that. So it'll be interesting to see who gets that spot, but I once again think that we're going to have the fourth team in the West take over as a crossover opponent into the East. So going to our playoffs we got two versus three in both conferences but in this case the east instead of having the east three we're going to have the west four seed so you have bc going to toronto i'm going to take the lions in that one and you'll have winnipeg hosting edmonton i'll go with edmonton in that one so you set up the western conference final which will be calgary hosting edmonton i'll go with the stampeders in that one and in the East final, you'll have Hamilton hosting BC. I'll go with Hamilton in that one and the Grey Cup final. I'll go with Hamilton to win the Grey Cup over the Stamps for their first Grey Cup title since 1999. Nice. Although I will say, I am rooting for the Elks to have their first inaugural season. I'll bring, bring home the Cup. If only, if only. Me too. I certainly think they'll have a top offense in the league, but yeah, how the defense comes together is going to be a real challenge for them this year. They still have Kwaku Boateng at defensive end. He's a very good player. He'll get after the pass for a passer. But beyond that, they got some questions at linebacker. It could work, and, though. Ask Drew Brees. That's true. But yes, you should be able to see the Winnipeg versus Hamilton game Thursday night on ESPN2. And I also think you could see the Ottawa and Edmonton game on ESPN2 Saturday night. So tune in, set your DVRs, whatever. You need to watch the CFL. It is good football. It, they just throw the ball all over the field. Like, if you're a fantasy football fan, you're going to love this league. It's more wide open than the NFL is. You have all sorts of motion. You can run toward the line of scrimmage at the snap if you're a receiver. Some rule differences, and I think it really spices it up. Well, that's my two cents on the CFL this season. There's definitely going to be more to come. And we can't wait. For sure not. But now... Let's go to the pitch on Sunday night in Las Vegas. The U.S. men's national team won the Gold Cup by defeating Mexico 1-0 
It was actually a very thrilling match. It was tense throughout. Mexico was generating a lot of chances, and the U.S., give them credit, they just hung on. They bent and bent, but they did not break. They did not concede that goal. Matt Turner showed that he has a great future for the U.S. men's national team. He was named most outstanding keeper of the tournament. And for the second time this summer, the U.S. wins a title at Mexico's expense because on June 7th, the U.S. defeated Mexico 3-2 to win the CONCACAF Nations League. What an upset, huh? Yeah, I mean, the U.S., they have now reached 20th in the FIFA World Cup rankings. World Cup rankings. World rankings. This is yeah. a good young team, and I think they're gaining some confidence. And the other thing to remember is that this Gold Cup squad would be Mexico's best players, despite the fact that they're still playing in the Olympics right now. They're the A team, so to speak, would be playing in the Gold Cup. But Mexico, they've moved on to the semis of the Olympics on the men's side, along with Spain and Brazil and Japan, I'm pretty sure. Forget who's qualifying. I have to look at the chart off the top of my head. Right. But now to Olympic soccer on the women's side. Oh, boy. The U.S. women's team suffered a 1-0 loss to Canada, ending their hopes of Olympic gold. Pain. It's just been a bit of an uneven start to their new coach replacing Jill Ellis. Obviously, the U.S. had a ton of success with Jill Ellis at the helm. But yes, new coach is named Vlato Adonovsky. I kind of remembered his name, just wanted to be sure how exactly to pronounce it. I mean, I think he'll get there. He obviously has a lot of very talented players and talented young players, too. You look at Mallory Pugh, Crystal Dunn, other very talented players he'll have to work with in the future. Going into the next World Cup, I don't see any reason why the U.S. wouldn't be one of the favorites there. I don't know. You're going to be trade off to Premier League? Well, I know some of the players on the team have played with some of the Premier League teams, like Alex Morgan played briefly for Tottenham. Sam Mewis was at the women's version of Manchester version women's side of manchester city and then tobin heath was at manchester united i mean they definitely have gotten some international exposure but now looking at the women's gold cup game will be canada versus sweden and those two faced each other in the round of 16 at the world cup with sweden coming through winning I believe it was 1-0 Sweden has had a lot of really good players for the past few years, and they just haven't been able to take home a major hardware. They finished their best finish at the World Cup was second when I and I think it was 07. But yeah, they that'd be a really huge boost to that country's rising football profile. Their men are doing significantly better things, and their women have. Been at the top for a while, but if they can finally get an Olympic gold, that would be huge for that country. If only, if only. Although, hope they do it. Yeah, they have shown that they're a tough squad to play against, and they've gone against the U.S. a lot. 
in 2016, they knocked the U.S. out in the round of eight in the Olympics. The U.S. got the better of them at the World Cup in 2019, beating them 2-0. But obviously in this Olympics, Sweden got payback 3 to nothing for their World Cup defeat. I think they exposed some of the kinks that the U.S. might still have to work out in their system. I don't think they're a well-oiled machine yet. So it also gives the U.S. a lot to think about, a lot to work on going in. How are they going to arrange their attack? And, you know, some of their older players may not be around much longer, like Carly Lloyd, who's in her late 30s. She probably will not be at another Olympics. Will she play in the next World Cup? Maybe, maybe not. Hard because you got that three to four year gap in some of these things. Right. Although we're looking at this in 2021, their next World Cup will be in 2023. And I think it happened in two years. That's true. Perhaps if somebody gets hurt six months in, they might be able to make it just in time as long as that's not an Achilles. That's true. Very true. But yeah, I'm thinking back to the discussion a couple weeks ago when we had Alex on the show and I asked which continent would win a World Cup next for the men besides Europe or South America. And he talked about the U.S. potentially getting a lot better and maybe by 2026 they could be a contender, at least to make a deep run. To win it, yeah, I think that would require some more development but gotta stop shipping them over to europe if you want to win for it fellas i mean come on well i mean i think they're still going to represent the u.s even if they're playing internationally for club but we look at mexico obviously they got young talent that's showing off at the olympics they're making deep runs and other competitions if they get those all those guys together And I had seen during the game last night that under their new coach, they were 29-3-3. Obviously, their fourth loss was suffered after Miles Robinson drove home that header in the 117th minute. But yeah, Mexico just seems like that always the bridesmaid, never the bride type team. Are they going to get over that hump? I certainly think for 2022, they'd have a better chance than the U.S., but it's going to be tough sledding regardless. You think they're you think they're just second fiddle to somebody else every year? Or every tournament rather? Obviously there have been some social issues in Mexico over the years and it's certainly not a perfect country, but I f- feel like it is getting better. And you know, a lot of countries do it depends on how much they want to invest into developing these teams. Also, so, it's a there's a lot of factors that go into it. For sure, I mean it's just just unfortunately how it goes. Hate that we yep. gotta bring politics into the sport though, but sometimes it really is the case. Right. But now, let's go ahead, let's move on to the NFL and some quarterback drama that has been swirling. We can start with the Carson Wentz situation. He suffered another injury. He has a foot problem. It will require surgery. 
He will probably miss the start of the regular season. They say he could be back for week one. I doubt it. Same. I think realistically it's a two-month injury. So I'm mm-hmm. probably thinking that this is going to be seven to eight weeks for him, maybe nine if they want to push him. But they I, said also that this is from a foot problem that has been, happened to him previously. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I hate it, but it seems like all sports are doing it now where it's just like, hey, if he's hurt, we're going to ride this out until the end where it's just like, oh, crap, now he really has to get work. I mean, come on, you don't do that. I mean, look at Michael Thomas. Sean Payton's pissed at him because it's like, dude, you couldn't have done this surgery in February? Mm-hmm. March, maybe, because of COVID? Like, what are you doing? Same thing goes with Carson Wentz. It's like, is this on the organization? Did they check him out well enough? Like, what are you doing? And now there's rumors circling around that Nick Foles is going to be under Frank Reich again. Yeah, I think that would make the most sense to do because it probably would not involve shipping a lot to the Bears. Granted, you'd have to take on part of his contract. I'm sure the Bears might take on some of it just to get rid of Foles. Although it makes you wonder, why were they signing Andy Dalton in the first place? But that's kind of beside the point. Well, if you look at it, right, just remember who the guys they brought into there. As in like, hey, we went Foles. Then we went, uh, you know, we go Dalton. Oh, and by the way, we're also drafting a quarterback. Like, you know, two years. It's been three QBs in that organization right now. Come on. That's true. Other names that were thrown out there were Gardner Minshew from the Jags. I don't think Minshew has a whole lot of trade value at this point because everybody knows Trevor Lawrence will be their starter. The Jags might want to hold on to him as a backup, for all we know. Wouldn't be a bad choice to have as your backup quarterback. But realistically, the Jags couldn't get more than a mid-round pick for him at this point. And they might wait until a a team suffers an injury in the regular season and then look at shipping Minshew out. I don't know. So, question. What would be the value of uh, Foles, you think? If you think Gardner Minshew's probably... I mean, I said he's probably like a third or fourth round pick. I would have probably said fourth. But for Foles, just considering the absurdity of his contract, maybe a sixth. Maybe in Frank Reich's system, he still might have some value. But otherwise, it just – I don't know why, why people would give a lot up for a guy who's 32 – Big contract, not a lot of potential. Also, just remember that depending on how well Wentz does is the difference of the Colts giving the Eagles a first or a second round pick. That's also true. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, The one I wanted to bring up, uh, we always seem to miss something out either the, the day after or maybe two days after because our podcast is early on in the week and we record on Monday night. But did you see that savagery, that absolute brutal press conference by the bad man, Aaron Rodgers? Yes. 
the guy goes on there and he just goes, guys who I liked, guys that are good in the locker room, the guys that got snubbed, the guys that weren't treated right, the guys that I wanted around, named 12 guys by name, one of them being Randall Cobb. And I said, is there any chance of a reunion? And everybody said, what for? Okay, it's Devontae Adams and who else? Oh, have you ever heard of uh, Vardos Scantley before? Okay, consistency is where? Exactly. Consistency, people. It doesn't matter if he's your number two, number three, whatever. Guess what? Inconsistent at best. So Randall Cobb goes into this offense that he's familiar with. More info on our Texans show, but Randall Cobb goes into that organization as their number two again. Right. Number two from the Texans, now number two for the Green Bay Packers. May only be there for, I think he'll be there for two more years, if I'm correct. But still, he's back in Green Bay. Last ride with Aaron Rodgers and uh, Devontae Adams. And the way this is going, <laughs> the next year he might as well stick around because he'll be a wide receiver one. Jordan Love's going to be playing. And Devontae Adams basically, he kind of hinted that there's no way he comes back. Yeah, he's telegraphed his exit. He's pointing out with a laser. That's for sure. My goodness. I mean, absolutely just obliterated them. So all this talk, right? And it's funny because I spent the weekend with somebody I know, him and his wife are big Vikings fans. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about the coach that left and came back because of the vaccine, this and that, but if you're a Vikings fan and you find out that this is the last year of Aaron Rodgers and a top three wide receiver in the game, aren't you happy? Aren't you jumping up and down for this? Because that means you could finally compete. Right, but you still have another year of seeing Rodgers at the top of his game and likely at the top of this division. Well, very true. But again, one more year gives you a little bit of hope, a little time to plan. Trust the process. Indeed. Speaking of NFL quarterbacks, one of the last things I want to mention is that Paxton Lynch, if you remember him, he was a first-round pick of the Broncos post-Payton whenever they were looking for a quarterback and still haven't found one. He is now one of the backups for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. <laughs> now, that's funny. Yeah, he says he still wants to make it to an NFL team, and I'm like, all right, I don't know if you can supplant Cody Fajardo for the Rough really? Riders. No. Not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Yeah. And I also thought a little bit more about it. And I was like, this dude is six foot seven, kind of like Brock Osweiler. He's Brock Osweiler the second. <laughs> Except, guess what? Just like Brock Osweiler, the only American field that he's going to step on and play at is the golf course. We'll see, but Osweiler has a Super Bowl ring, so there is that. And he has a lot of money that the Texans paid him. 
Yes. You know, it's actually funny because on the uh, Twitter account, right, there's actually somebody that uh, asked me, they said, why in the hell do you have an Osweiler jersey as your, you know, your background pick on the uh, <laughs> on the profile? And I said, it's an inside joke with the other host of if X happens, I'll buy a Brock jersey. Indeed. And it's a joke that goes on here. As in like, hey, you want to put money on it? I'll buy a Brock jersey. I mean, it's flat out embarrassing. People will tell you, well, why like Mrs. Puff from SpongeBob? But but whatever the case may be, got to do what you got to do. Yep. Oh, man. Just <laughs> always laughs here, man. Indeed. So it looks like we have covered the gamut of NFL topics, at least for this week. Looking ahead to next week, AJ and I are going to start previewing all of the divisions. We'll start with the NFC and AFC East next week, and we will work our way through right up until the start of the season. It'll be a four-week series, so tune in for that. But for this week, do you have any final thoughts? I think we're good. Uh, the only thing I will want to mention is uh, Slater reported to the Chargers camp, put in as the tackle spot, and everyone said, how is this guy going to do? Joey Bosa versus Slater. Slater won. So when we mentioned this, we said, who is the guy that – I'm sorry, who is the team that needs to get this guy? If you're the New York Giants and you're Dave Gettleman, if you heard that news or if you saw it in front of you, you should be kicking yourself. And I'll tell you why on the next episode when we go over the East Divisions. All right, we got another layer to look at with this. But in the meantime... You can always check us out on YouTube, All Football Podcast, and on Twitter at All Football Pod One. But for now, on behalf of AJ Torres, I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.